As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Well, hello everyone, and you join Tom and I here today uh, to have a chat about watches, as we all want to do. But we aren't alone here because we are in the presence of someone who really knows what they're talking about. Marco Conchina, I hope that's the correct pronunciation of your surname. How are you doing today? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm doing really well. Um, I'm just off the gym, so I'm hyped AF. Had a nice protein <laughs> shake. <laughs> I'm going to try to compete with your beautiful British English, but that's going to be difficult on mine. So I'll do my best. <laughs> well, I think Tom will be very appreciative of the fact that he doesn't have to bleep you out every five seconds. So, um, yeah, Tom is, Tom is a happy boy. Yes. Um, but we're not here to talk about us. People hear about us all the time. We're boring. We're here to talk about you because you do something quite a bit different to everyone else. You have an Instagram channel. Of course, you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, what sounds different about that? But you've gone about it in a very, very different way. Why don't you um, tell us a little bit about how you even got into watches and then you can sprinkle on the magic dust of how you do it differently. <laughs> nice, nice. So f- first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on the show. It's a, it's a huge honor since I've been following you for a long, long time. You were the beacon like for all our watch YouTubers, probably in terms of quality and uh, the watches you featured. So thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Um, but how I, how, I start, how I started was like um, 2010. I saw, you know, the, the case back of a nice uh, vintage watch uh, my grandma gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with the mechanics and then I just fell into the rabbit hole. Started researching. Um, at the time, I was a bit lost with my university, so I didn't really like it. So I had a splendid idea to become a watchmaker. So I, you know, did my research, uh, found Volstep in Neuchâtel, wrote them. They told me the price, you know, my jaw dropped because uh, <laughs> I'm originally from Slovenia. So we don't have like big salaries like in Switzerland. Um, I come from a nice medium, uh, you know, wealthy family, let's say. I, we, we weren't poor, but we weren't also like, you know, luxury. So watches were never yeah. really in my, in my life before from my parents or anybody else. I just uh, kind of knew they existed. I had a few G-Shocks, obviously, when I was younger. Um, but really 2010, um, the passion started 
And then I you know found out about brands like Washcom, Breguet, Blancpain, Urver, KMBNF, and I fell in love with independence. To be honest, you know that's what is obvious also on my channel probably the most, as we try to cover watches which uh, usually people don't get to see, and we film them physically, which is another like uh, you know level of uh, let's say difficulty. Um, but then I moved to Switzerland, 2011, um, worked, worked as a bartender for five years and tried to figure out how to become independent, you know, how to jump into this watch world with no education, no, no connections, no money, you know. So what I did is basically what anybody could do, bought a camera, uh, signed up as a uh, photographer and a PR uh, guy and uh, went to Baselworld. <laughs> And uh, what did you see at Baselworld? Other than the fact that the stands there were utterly ridiculous and the whole thing was just like being at Disneyland for adults. Um, what did you see there that kind of really hooked you in? So I will never forget the big Breitling booth. <laughs> it, it, it was like a big hangar, you know, uh, ridiculous. But guarded by these two like hostesses, so I couldn't get even in, you know. Um, that's where I, the, the, that's when the dependents work a bit better because they are obviously a much smaller team. So I immediately went to all the independents. So one of the first brands I remember is Rudy Silva um, and then Acrivia back when he wasn't like, you know, sold out like he's today, which I'm super happy about it. Um, I went to see Manufacture Royale. I went to see MCT, Debetune. I saw Moser, you know, all these brands which basically welcome an enthusiast like me with open arms, you know, because you never know who is going to become somebody down the line. So the people who ignored me, let's say five years ago, now are like, oh, damn, he, he really did what he said he want to do, you know. Um, and it's fun to also see the development with some independent watchmakers, because I know them from back in the day when they had all the watches on the table showing them. And now you, they can't even make enough watches to sell. Um, so the big boys, I couldn't get in, obviously. Um, but the independence really is uh, where my heart and, you know, started beating. Um, so you, Marco, um, <laughs> we're probably complete opposite. I'm scared of buying more than one watch at once because I, I think I'll wear one watch and then if I buy a new one, I'll wear that instead and then I have another one gathering dust, so I sell it. You um, you, you put your money where very much where your mouth is when it comes to independence and uh, <laughs> you have a pile of watches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a pile of watches. That's the best way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you take us through some of your favourites and, and how you ended up um, coming about purchasing them. My, my favorite is my Rolex GMT Pepsi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> boo! <laughs> Corporate shill, boo! <laughs> boo! <laughs> no, so uh, that's a good way to describe it. It's a pile of watches. Last time I did a like a collection update video, and a side of wristwatches, I also got pocket watches, table clocks. It, I, I was like, this, this is getting out of hand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a kind of a hoarder when it comes to watch collecting and just clock collecting in general. I want to get more into a, the, the quality aspect. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, let's say, sell off a, a part of the collection. Yeah. Um, but you're right. When you buy a new one, the old ones, you know, sit in the safe and wait for you to pick them up. You know, it's, it's the fact, to be honest. And uh, depends on how you feel, that's the watches you wear. So the, the most comfortable watch I wore this summer is uh, this Louis Erard Allen Zilberstein Monopusher Chronograph. Oh, yeah. So this is something I, I really like because of this like hook and loop system. It's super easy and you, you don't sweat. Even if you sweat, it's no problem at all. I like yeah. to wear my, uh, my custom Felipe Piculic watch, which is again, the first watch which has my logo as a seconds disc, 
which is a big honor for me. And also the watchmaker really likes it as well. Because that's, you know, very personal. The Rolex watches I don't wear a lot, to be honest, because it often gives the wrong uh, impression or statement of who I am. But I like, mm -hmm. like to keep them because sometimes I do wear the Oyster Perpetual yellow dial that I have in 36. It's a fun watch. I have, um, what I also like is my Holtenrich, uh, the 3D printed watch from the Netherlands, um, which has a nice movement. It's super thin, you know, it has weird uh, lug design, which I love. Sometimes I put on my Hublot Singapore Watch Club Edition, the classic fusion to just to piss people off, you know, that I have a Hublot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, it really depends how I feel, man. Like, um, there's no day that I don't have a watch, um, but it really depends how I feel and how lazy am I to go to the bank and pick them up, you know, because I do really don't have them at home for security reasons, because it's, you know, the pile got a bit bigger. Or if I feel classy, I, I take my Cartier watches, you know, and I feel really bougie then. <laughs> so, sophisticated gentleman. <laughs> do you feel like your move to Switzerland to get closer to the action has actually escalated your passion. Do you think your career path and your enthusiasm for watches would have been different if you'd not been in Switzerland? Do you think it makes it easier to fall down the rabbit hole being in Switzerland? Because I imagine when Watches and Wonders finishes, it just all spills out into the streets and they carry it on all throughout the year. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the case? Yes, yes, obviously. Like the, the goal, the, the goal was never to be in Slovenia and do something with watches. The goal was always when I started this idea to go to Switzerland. And like, imagine that in Slovenia, I had this Armband Uren magazine, which is a thick magazine with all the weird watch brands that you never heard about. And suddenly yeah. they're all on one street in Zurich. You know, you go to the Zurich, yeah. Zurich Bahnhofstrasse, you see Urwerk, you see MBNF, you see a Breguet double tourbillon, you know, it, it just blows your mind because in Slovenia, I remember the most expensive watch I, I saw and I was able to put in my hand, you know, remember I was 19 years old back then, people didn't trust me, they, they still sometimes don't, um, <laughs> it, it was a Ulysse Nardin, I think it was, it's called a Sonata, like an alarm watch, yeah, um, right. and that was like 50 something thousand, and then I come to Switzerland and in Zurich I see casual like three four grebel forces in the Les ambassadors uh, show showcase showcase yeah, i mean yeah. it, it was crazy and obviously you can go to geneva and visit patek philippe museum you can go to maybe knock on Jorn, you can see the boutiques i mean the the best way to do something like this is to be in switzerland because you have the you have them like two and a half hours away from zurich if you live in zurich if you geneva it's across the street where did you first discover independent watchmaking? Who was that first person that made you go, oh, hello, this is different than Rolex? It was, it was a magazine. I don't know which one it was. Maybe it was GMT. Like I, I, in Slovenia, I had a magazine and I, and I just, you know, and like I said, the Armand Uren magazine, it's like a, how did, like, a, like a library, printed library of brands from A to Z and all in between. And you see Dornblut, you see, Alexander Shorokov, you know, and you're like, what the hell is this? You know, you see a band singer and just started researching about it. But the first thing was probably a magazine back in the day. Um, and obviously Google and as well, like uh, YouTube. I went to YouTube straight ahead. What I saw back then, I can't remember the most, the video I remember the most from my early YouTube, like watching days is uh, your video on the Elise Nadan Freak. So, cause oh, yeah. I, I'm yeah. a fan of the freak since, you know, forever. So 
that really uh, is is a, is a burning in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a cool watch. I love I love the discovery of of that watch where you you kind of thinking how do I oh oh you you lift that up at the front oh okay yes. <laughs> and it, it's it's like learning how to use a watch again so it, it kind yeah. of takes that childlike essence of discovery and um, yeah. gives it to you in a way that you, you never thought you could experience because you think exactly. I know how watches work stand back I'll roll up my sleeves and set this freak oh hello <laughs> what <laughs> one of the one of the things that is really impressive about the independence is most of the independence that people are aware of like Gribble Force or FP Journal are very very expensive but there is a whole bunch of them that mm. are actually very very affordable um, if if you were talking to someone just getting into to watches and they were like nah Forget Rovex, forget Omega. I want to go independent. Where would you encourage them to start looking? Like if they're more classy, let's say if they want to have a classy watch, but still like with a nice movement, I would probably go, and, and it, all, it all depends on the price point, you know? If they say I want to spend 100,000 plus, it's a different conversation. But if you want to go below 10K or let's say below 12K, you can go to Habring, you can go to Kudoke, Dornblut, obviously. Um, maybe an old speak marine on you know second the secondary market, um, Felipe Piccolic, Ophion, Line Watches, Sartoribia, Lundi Bleu, you know <laughs> it's a lot of options. <laughs> Sarpaneva, SUF. Um, I mean, I try to also show these kinds of brands. There's a lot of small independents popping up. I mean, it, it wasn't the case a few years ago, um, but I think because of this healthy market and people just buying anything they can. There's much more independent watchmakers, which I even know about, and they don't even have a website yet. You know, like I'm sure you also know about some people that nobody's seen yet. Um, so you can go a long way if you want to have a sporty watch that looks like a, that that can hold um, a lot of pressure. You can buy an Oris. You know, really depends. Who who would you like to give a shout out to then? That's um, on the up and coming, that hasn't got a website yet. Um, I mean. Who I would like to shout out is maybe, let's say, Felipe Piccolic, the young German watchmaker from Berlin, because I know what's in store for the future. Obviously, I'm biased because I do have a watch from him, and it's not the last one, um, but it's it's not about that. You know, I met Felipe, he came to Zurich, we chatted, we, we did a video together, obviously, and um, it was just fun to, to see a young guy and, and to support him, and obviously, the video did well. I, we helped him with some with selling uh quite a few watches um, and again like you said it makes me it makes my heart warm you know because you with, with, with if you do a video about Breitling nobody you know sees it maybe you get a thumbs up from Breitling if you're lucky but that's about it you know or IWC the same case um, but with these small guys you really see the difference and they text you like you just sold out like five or ten years of my production you know thank you <laughs> thank you and F you in the same way because I can't keep up with this you know um, and Holtenrich as well from the Netherlands, the 3D printed to watches. They've got some cool things in the future, so uh, definitely be on the lookout. There's a few Japanese guys as well, but uh, I, I can't even pronounce the names, and uh, I don't know if they're even <laughs> fully fully committed yet to what they do. So, and who do you think is killing it at the top end at the moment of the independence? Like budget, no question, absolutely smashing it, top notch. I mean, obviously, you've got the unicorns like uh, Dufour and uh, Smith, right? That's for me. That's the the top. Like, if I could sell, if I could get one watch and sell all all of all of the stuff that I have, I would get a Smith. 
Um, yeah. But but I think as the years go by, the prices are also going up. So I, I need to <laughs> either buy more or save more. Um, obviously, MBNF, Urwerk, Debetune are like the you know the the trinity somehow of these uh, of uh, independent watchmaking where the prices are really I think on point. The retail prices are good. Obviously, Grunefeld with Grunefeld watches with a new chronograph crushed it. Um, Gribble Force as well, but the price point is a bit higher, so it's still a bit wobbly from time to time. I think I won't even speak about Jordan because for me that's slowly moving and Richard Mill that's like slowly moving out of this niche independent sphere, but they're kind of caught between Rolex and independence, you know, like in terms of uh, success and quantities. Um, Yeah, they're, they're the real darlings, aren't they? Yes, yes. They've um, they've managed to bridge the gap between the two. Uh, it's really interesting, actually, because I think uh, Jean especially has been a great ambassador for turning collectors away from the vintage Rolex, mm-hmm. say, yeah. into manufacturers that do things, well, like manufacturers used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that really sticks out in my mind that's very interesting, that people don't really know which side of the fence to settle on, is um, Jacob & Co. Yeah. Some of their crazy, crazy pieces are truly incredible. Mm-hmm. But of course, they have a heritage making some pieces that are truly awful. Where do you <laughs> stand on the whole Jacob & Co thing? For me, Jacob & Co has a similar, let's say, love and hate relationship like Hublot. Like when I wear my Hublot and show it to people in person, 99.9% of people love it. If I do a video about it, ah, oh, we hate it, you know, keyboard warriors jump in. Jacob and Co. the same thing. Because of his past, which I wouldn't dwell on, you're not marrying the man, you're just buying his watches. Um, I think people get, let's say, I was thinking about it once before, and the, the idea was the, the Swiss watchmakers, the independent watchmakers, have a very romanticized you know, notion and story to them. You know, mm-hmm. There's this one guy working late in the hour, with one light, you know, probably on and just polishing this bridge or polishing this screw. But Jacob is a very open, loud person, works with all the big celebrities in the world, uh, hip hop artists, uh, movie stars. He doesn't come off as a shy and, you know, maybe even humble guy. So that's where people go, oh, I don't want to support this guy because he's got everything he needs already. You know, he has a this big ass yeah. penthouse, a huge townhouse boutique in middle of Manhattan, next to Richard Mille and opposite of AP. But at the end of the day, if you are a watchmaking fan and if you really look at the watches they produce, like the Twin Turbo, the Astronomia, the Godfather watches, I mean, mm-hmm. find me a watch which does the same thing as the Twin Turbo Furious does. A decimal minute repeater, a pit stop mono pusher chronograph. A double, triple axis turbion. I mean, come on. Yeah. If this would be a brand like MBNF, Urbeck, David Tune, Gribble, Forsey, people would love it because it's Jacob. I think it gets a bad uh, rep just because of that. But but when people see it in person, they're like, wow, this is magnificent. Plus, remember, it's a high price point, right? So obviously, watches with high price points uh, get a bit more slack, I think. But personally, I love them, obviously. I have a close relationship with them since uh, close to five years now. So... For me, they're doing everything what, uh, right. Um, lastly, I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about kind of 
how you operate things. Mm-hmm. Because to me, you remind me a bit of, of Moser, for example. You've got the watch side in terms of your public face, your YouTube channel, but behind the scenes, you have um, the effect agency. Mm-hmm. You shoot videos of watches and you do it incredibly well. In fact, I would say that you do it better than us, which is annoying. <laughs> how did all that start out and um, how's it working for you? Well, when we started the YouTube channel, we looked at your channel as well and we were trying to figure out, is, are you using a turntable or no? So <laughs> you were the inspiration again, obviously, and you set the standard very high for us to, to follow. But um, with the agency side, I've got a social media agency, which I started 2016. I'm full independent since 2017. Bayer Chronometry in Zurich is one of the accounts we manage since then till still today. The vintage and the modern. We, we had a few brands down the line as well and still do. With Effect Agency, we are three owners, three founders of the agency, where we focused on a video production in a, in, in a creative way. So 60 or 70% of our business is the watch industry, but also we work um, with other industries. Let's say the last two days now, so yesterday and the day before, we had um, 30 hour work um, days. If you combine these two days together, we had a client called uh, Geberit. So they do plumbing and, uh, you know, toilet, toilet uh, boxes. <laughs> so, and Davidoff is one of our clients as well, cigars. So with the agency, we try to also venture in other industries because the yep. people I work with come from not the watch background, but watches are obviously um, because of my influence and my uh, just connections in the industry. So there's three branches, Effect and my other agency, plus Swiss Watch King, the YouTube channel, Instagram could be seen in my eyes as almost a separate business because of the amount of work it takes to get everything done, basically. And they all have their own revenue and they are fully uh, independent if I, if I choose to. So it's going well. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I'm very, I'm very glad it is. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd offer to share our uh, tips and tricks for shooting stuff, but you far surpassed <laughs> what we can do, so I don't think that'd be much use to you. Um, dear viewer and listener, if you think Marco should share some of his tips and tricks with us, just pop a little comment in the, uh, down in the comments below. <laughs> Let him know. Um, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you, Marco. Thank you so much for sharing some insight into who you are and what you're doing. Um, I, I personally love seeing all those independents and you, to be honest, are my source for a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'm very, very jelly of the watches you've got and the watches that you get to see and the people that you get to talk to. So <laughs> thank you for coming on and sharing some of that with us. Um, if you're a listener, please do go and check out Swiss Watch Gang on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, links in the description below. And until next time, we will see you later. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. 